everybody. Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am here with your favorite co-host, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Hello, hello. And I am your other co-host, Joshua Knoll, and we're here with an extremely special guest, a Pastor Matt Chandler of the Village Church, as well as author of a few different books, but uh, notably the explicit gospel, something I had to read in school, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, it's it's good to be here with you guys, man. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer Pastor Matt, Pastor Chandler? Or uh, Matt? I mean, yeah, you can call me. Yeah. I, people tend to just call me Matt. <laughs> the people here at the church call me Pastor Matt. You can use either one of those. <laughs> All right. Well, today we are going to be discussing some of what Pastor Matt has been talking about at his church, um, some of his methods in their ecclesiology, how their church relates to the whole church, and um, just going to have a fun time just kind of chatting about that stuff. Before we do, I like to review some audience engagement. Uh, This is going to be kind of weird, but we had four different people suggest episode topics for our other podcast, Systematic Geekology on the website, systematicgeekology.org. And I just want to encourage you guys, if you guys want us to cover a specific topic or just to have a certain guest on, you could email us at thewholechurch at gmail.com or go over to that website like those guys and just be like, hey, this is for the whole church. We want to to tell you to do this. And uh, we'll we'll probably do it, most (laughs) likely, if it's not something too absurd. Um, Anyway. Eventually. So, with that... (laughs) Yeah. With that... um, we like to start with a silly question because silliness is my personal favorite form of unity because it's just so darn hard to argue when you're being silly. Um, today, today's a bit of a weird one, which I, I guess I excel at. Um, all right. If you could watch a rodeo and substitute any other animal in for the bull, which animal would you choose? Uh, TJ is our biologist local biologist, animal expert. So I'll let him answer first, and then I'll go and give you time to think about it, Pastor Matt. Thank you. Uh, So uh, previous iterations of this question, I had a different answer, but uh, (laughs) I think I'm going to go with kangaroo. Uh, Ooh. I I don't know if it'll be harder to stay on a kangaroo. It'll definitely be harder to get one big enough, Uh, but I would Hmm. love to see them try. Hmm. Certainly sounds amusing. I'm going to go with the manatee uh, oh. because I'm a Floridian and we, we like those. And also, I just think it'd be really funny. I, I know they're. God, they Aquatic. they move around a lot, so I feel like it would be hard to hold on. They're slippery. And plus, you know, water being involved just adds a whole new element. So I feel like that'd be a pretty That's amusing true. show. Uh, Pastor Matt, a rodeo where yeah, you I substitute think- any animal for the bull. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with an ostrich because I don't think there's too many things that are going to be funnier than a grown man trying to ride an ostrich. <laughs> that certainly sounds amusing. I actually had the opportunity once so I, when I was delivering pizza. I went to a house and it turned out they ordered a four cheese pizza from Domino's for their pet ostrich. And uh, yeah, I rung, okay. the dorm at, I rung the doorbell and this thing flies around the house. I was like, oh, it was pretty, pretty okay. unique experience here in here in North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh, actually, uh, my first biology 101 teacher or my, there were two in that course, but he ran an ostrich farm. So it was great to okay. learn under him. There's that. 
Yeah, he would he would let us intern uh, at his ostrich farm and count it as credit. What? But that's a different nice. story. Uh, on to the real show. Uh, one thing oh. we believe is extremely helpful for church unity is to hear one another's stories. Uh, would you mind giving us your elevator testimony? Yeah, I... My daddy was lifetime Navy, then a little bit in the Coast Guard, and we were transferred um, by the government from the Bay Area, uh, Almeda, to Texas, um, and went out for the football team, and there was a guy on that team named Jeff Faircloth who just said, hey, I need to tell you about Jesus. When do you want to do that? Uh, and that started what would be over the next year, uh, him taking me to church, him answering questions, and then... Uh, ultimately, he moved on, went to play uh, football in college, and the Lord just kind of continually kind of wooed at me and, and pulled on my heart. And um, about a year after that, so about two years in all, um, man, the, the Spirit opened up my heart and became a follower of Christ. And man, all these years still haven't recovered, coming up on 30 years <laughs> and still hadn't recovered. So praise God. Yeah. Man, man didn't even give you a choice. Just said, hey, I no. need to tell you <laughs> about God. When are you available? But you know what's funny? And I love that. And I, there was something about his boldness. Before I wanted Jesus, I just wished I was that courageous. Um, and so he had that kind of boldness in that season of my life, specifically if you're thinking of football locker room where everyone, by the way, which aren't bastions of righteousness, <laughs> the kind of conversation that happens in those places. And um, that Jeff was not embarrassed at all or ashamed at all to just try to talk to me about Jesus in front of everybody was something that I thought was like his courage was something that I was jealous for. Like I would love to have that kind of courage. I felt like I was more often than not, like, you know, pretending to be something I wasn't or projecting kind of this false self. And, um, and he just didn't care about any of that. He just loved Jesus and um, wanted me to love Jesus. And that, I think that marked me in some significant ways for even how I've lived my own Christian life. I think discipleship probably does start before you become a Christian. I think the way in which you become a Christian is a part of your discipleship. Yeah. I mean, that that's how it worked for the Jesus's 12 disciples. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It checks out to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so one of the big reasons I, Get through this desperate attempt to try to get you on this show was because you run one of the you run one of the largest multi-site churches in America, and you've decided that you were going to help some of these church sites run themselves and yeah. kind of separate from your organization. Um, yeah, man, that that sounds like a like a terrible business model. <laughs> How did you come to this decision? Oh, yeah. Well, it's you know I think in the the realm of worldly economics, it's complete foolishness, but kingdom economics, it's a whole different animal. Um, I, I think it, there, there's a lot of factors that, that kind of came into it. I, I think the, the bottom line was how I wanted to spend my life and in influence. And so, you know, I'm 47. And as I kind of looked at the next 20 years, the, the question of who can we find to kind of step into to my shoes and pastor this, you know, another 20 years, 35, 40,000 member, mega giga, multi-site, basically um, production. Um, so, so that was one way we could have gone, that like 
who, who replaces me or let's all spin them off then. Or the, the other idea that we had, and I'm sure there's a third and fourth idea here, but these were the two <laughs> that we were yeah. wrestling with is what if um, we took influence, money, energy, and planted a thousand churches? And what if we started by rolling off all of our multi-sites to autonomous campuses? Now, I'm already president of Acts 29 and have been president of Acts 29 since, uh, I think, 2014. Um, And so... That's not a massive leap behind where my passions are. And and so, man, we just went for it and it went off seamlessly and it took us about five years to do it. And we are now just the village church in Flower Mound, Texas. We have no sites and that's awesome. And I'm not anti-multi-site. We saw a lot of people become Christians. We saw a lot of disciples made, saw a lot of young men and women raised up into leadership. And yet um, I get far more excited about planting an autonomous church than, than I, than I do like growing the village's brand, if you will. And I'm not saying that even as a negative, like it's just got a recognizable name that can draw people into um, either the kingdom or discipleship pathways that I think are really helpful. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, just out of curiosity, do you know what number you were at before you started this process of, yeah, we were we were we were probably sixteen, seventeen thousand on a weekend uh, before we started. I, I would argue that I don't know what the data would show, but I think we were easily the fastest shrinking church in the United States, <laughs> um, even even in light of um, COVID realities. Uh, we we literally lost tens of millions in real estate and thousands and thousands of people, but we, we saw it as a net gain in regards to kingdom impact. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And that's just one of those things where I was like, man, this, this man's out there empowering other people. That's uh, I just think that's crazy. I really love it. So. Well, thanks. It was, um, I think it was probably the most challenging leadership thing we ever took on. It was me and a team. It's not just me doing it, of course, but, um, yeah. It was super complex, uh, but God was really kind to us. Yeah, it sounds rough. It definitely sounds yeah, it, hard. You know, well, they, you know, some of those guys that were local pastors, like the guy from the Denton campus, like I baptized him in the Gulf of Mexico when he's 19. We just went way, way back. And so a lot of these guys, we've known each other a long time. So the trust was super high and that high trust helped it, helped it go well. Right. So uh, this year at Village Church, you began by preaching on the book of Revelation. Uh, Could you break down for our listeners some of what you think Revelation has to teach us in today's context? Yeah, well, the book of Revelation, really, regardless of the season of history you find yourself in, um, is all about giving the believer courage to live out the Christian faith, regardless of what's going on in that season. And so that that's what revelation is, that that's what it is for us. That's what it was for them in 96 AD. That's what it was for the church in the dark ages. That's what it was uh, for the church during <laughs> World War I and World War II. It, it's a book that is, according to the first four verses of chapter one, uh, it's apocalyptic and that it's going to use a lot of imagery 
to get us to feel things even more so than we kind of in a linear way know things. And it's uh, prophetic. It's prophetic literature in that it's not it. When the Bible talks about prophetic, when you and I hear prophetic, we probably think about the future. When the Bible talks about prophetic, it's talking about thus saith the Lord. And then lastly, and I think the big key to the book of Revelation is in verse four of chapter one, when it just becomes clear, this is a letter which means it's written to a specific group of people at a specific time in a specific place. Now, all the rules of hermeneutics now take over. And so it cannot mean for us what it does didn't mean for them. And this takes away all what I would call the silly interpretations of the book, where the Apache helicopter is the locust in chapter 16 or the like that. That's impossible because it cannot mean for us what it did not mean for them. So this letter, Revelation was not written to us. It was written to them, but it was written for us. And so I I just thought Satan doesn't want the church to have this book or understand this book because it shows that it is, despite his best efforts, he's lost and vanquished and victory is ours, regardless of how things seem. And so I wanted to preach in light of the season we're in, our moment of human history, and try to put some steel in our spines to try to encourage us and to speak courage into us as a church. Hmm. All right. Yeah. And it's amazing how much of Revelation is just, if you know the Old Testament, it's like, oh, hey, maybe it's this. Yeah. So 500, 500 and something references to the Old Testament in those yeah. chapters. Absurd. And it, it was fun. Um, I was listening to you and I think Michael Heiser at the same time were kind of doing Revelation. Okay. But, you know, he's he's looking at it more. I feel like you were more applicable to today's time and he's yeah. more of a here's what this obscure reference in the old Testament oh, could sure. be. <laughs> well, like, and he's, oh, okay. he's yeah. exceptional at that. He's exceptional at that. Oh so yeah. We need him to be that on both. Both right. things are fun for me where I'm like, yeah. I like being able to dig in deep, but then I, I need to know how it applies to today. Sure. That's yeah, helpful. Right. Yeah. Uh, some of the largest debates within the church today come from the book of revelation. Uh, you know, come from, theological ideas in Revelation, such as uh, dispensationalism versus covenant theology, uh, pre-, mid-, and post-tribulation arguments, uh, the true Israel. Uh, Could you clue us in on where you stand on some of those? Yeah. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, One, I think it's always helpful to note that no matter who's right on this, we're all going to be glad, you know, when all's said (laughs) and done. And so there has to be a certain level of Christian charity when it comes to this book in particular, because like I said, it's a complex book in that it's apocalyptic and it's prophetic and it's also a letter. So there is some, there is some nuance and some difficulty in translation. And so I am, uh, I am a mill for sure in my, my approach. I am, I am not dispensational for sure. I probably lean covenantal, but probably not all the way. I'm probably somewhere in the middle of those two. Um, But I don't, there are times, and no offense to my dispensational brothers, that I'm not quite sure how they're getting what they're getting. And and then I think some of the bad movies and books that have been written that have really kind of hooked the American imagination about the end times has really now served to rob us of the courage that revelation is meant to put in us because if it's all gloom and doom and there's going to be guillotines, we're all going to be hung. And the, you know, (laughs) if it's a book of just unrelenting disaster, then that does very little to put 
courage into your bones, which is the purpose of the book. And so I, I think the book of Revelation is a helpful book and a hopeful book, not a ultimately, you know, ultimately helpful, but until then, hang on because we're pulling out the guillotines again and we're all going to get a tattoo on our forehead or lose our heads. Like, like that's not, it's not helpful. I even had a woman in our church that said, I'll be back when you're done preaching. She was so anxious about what revelation was that she was a little like, I'm going to skip the thing. And I was like, listen, don't skip the thing. I promise you, it's not probably what you're <laughs> thinking it is. And so that that's where I would land on some of those things. Yeah. Uh, here's a quick one, because I, I believe this will be a quick answer from, from what I know of your teaching. Um, uh, with a lot of things in the last couple of years, without being specific and anything, um, thoughts have come up of this is actually, you know, the mark of the beast and not sure. even the last couple of years. I, I've heard this my whole life where, oh, sure. that's actually going to end up being that. Is it possible to accidentally get the mark of the beast? No. It's not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's not. Everybody can breathe. Yeah. That that's all. Just want people yeah. to hear that. Yeah. Right. No. It's like, oh, I accidentally got this dope tattoo from my favorite band. <laughs> yeah. That's the mark of the I, beast, buddy. Sorry. It was just an app on my phone. I just thought it was an app. No, mark it's the, the mark beast. of the beast. You're doomed forever. Yeah, I mean, come on. This is like character of God stuff. Is he really gonna like gonna be like, oops, I didn't know. That's not it can't be. No. Yeah. No. Right. Uh, so how could the church do better at keeping these kinds of arguments from getting in the way of Christian unity? Yeah, so the it, it's bigger than the church right now. We're Im we're just literally immersed in a culture that has no capacity to see nuance and refuses to give anybody the benefit of the doubt. And so it's a broader problem than just the church. But if anyone has the answer to it, it's the church. And what would be great is if we could just start by giving each other the benefit of the doubt and believing what's best rather than immediately jamming people into categories that we can vilify. Because if we can jam somebody into a category we can yeah. vilify, I don't have to listen to them. Uh, I can just, you know, just put them as, you know, they're woke or they're, uh, you know, anti-vaxxer or they're, uh, you know, you name it, Marxist or, and, and so I'm, I think, man, Augustine was on to something um, when, when he talked about how the, the Christian should, should behave and live, right? Like in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, love. It's one of my mm -hmm. favorite quotes from Augustine. And, and the amount of infighting that takes place around secondary issues that aren't gospel issues at all is it can be somewhat embarrassing for the church. Like now is our time to not dive in to the name calling and vilifying, to believe the best, to give the benefit of the doubt, to seek clarity before we make judgments and to stop with all the real funny memes <laughs> that they really remove the dignity of a person from them. Mm. Right. Man. Yeah. That's good stuff. And I love We're, a funny uh... meme. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. um, it's funny. Josh doesn't. And I, I've gotten better. I've gotten better at it. I feel like I, um, I actually, so I joined a couple different groups of religions that I'm not a part of just cause I'm a curious person. And one it's, um, specifically Catholics and Orthodox group on Facebook. And it's got like a few thousand people. So naturally they okay. have a lot of like memes and stuff about how Protestants are dumb. Yeah. 
and I feel like it would be really foolish of me to be upset about that because you know what? I went to their private group yeah. that was meant for them. Yeah. And just, you know, guys know who they're talking to. Sometimes people aren't making fun of you. They're just having fun. Well, but and also, then I, I think life's complex and hard and yeah. everybody's more than likely doing the best they can. And so I, I think Christian charity and the acknowledgement of things are probably more complex um, than I think they are is a good posture that really over a long period of time will create the kind of unity um, that Jesus is praying for, for us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think uh, there's some German word that, you know, German words, they can just take out the spaces between words in a sentence. And that's a new word. Uh, if you didn't go. know how German worked, uh, but there it is. There so I'm is, learning. I'm saying yeah, Greek kind of does that too. One. That's like, yeah, everyone's life is just as complex as yours to them. Yeah. Some German words yeah. like 30 letters long or something. I don't know. I don't know. Well, but German's not my strong point. Yeah. Um, so now the, the transition to, to today, uh, or at least the last few weeks that I heard, I, I don't know if I'm caught up yet, but uh, at the Village Church, you've been preaching about how we are to view ourselves, which is ironic because I'm currently taking uh, systematic theology too, anthropology at my school. So I was like, ah, this is fun. Um, do you believe that an orthodox view of oneself, where you're not putting too much important on yourself, but you're also not putting too little and thinking too little of yourself, um, could an orthodox view of oneself help us better maintain Christian unity? Well, it's certainly, if I've got a sense of who I am rooted in who God is, then I'm going to be really hard to offend. And I'm certainly not going to be prone to take personal what wasn't personal. And I think that's where a lot of disunity comes from. When I begin to see things that aren't really personal, they're not really about me, but I begin to see them as personal or an attack against me. So I think anyone who's rooted in this is the creator of the universe and this is what he says about me generally. And this is what I know about me specifically and what he's been doing in me specifically, how he's made me specifically becomes really hard to offend, really hard to jostle. He He's like a, a man planted next to water, right? Um, so, so yes, I, I think it's necessary. And I think the more you overemphasize one at the expense of the other. So like, I think I'm, you know, I'm reformed, happily reformed in my soteriology. Um, but I think the reformed community can get so don't ever talk about self, don't ever talk about self, don't ever talk about self, that they're they're easily offended by everything. And and I think part of that comes back to not fully understanding self. Uh, and then there are other people that don't know anything about God and and the gospel becomes kind of this thing to sprinkle on your life. Um, to make Jesus give you what you want. And and then I think those people are going to get upset by anything that calls them towards holiness or repentance or um, anything that says there is a biblical sexual ethic or there are standards or there are. <laughs> and and so a lot of our infighting actually does happen because of an overemphasis that's not integrated in regards to the nuance of the scriptures. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, we have a friend, uh, Joe Day, and he he likes to use the line that we aren't the main character of the story. God is. That's right. That's and right. what I love about that is that that emphasizes that that doesn't mean we're not a character in the story. You don't get to ignore right. 
us either. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, that's and a really really unique story, right? If you look at Psalm one thirty nine, Acts seventeen, uniquely wired, uniquely placed. It's why I can tell anyone listening to this today, like you were made for this moment, like this moment we're in with all the craziness in the world around us. It's not Augustine that's here. It's us, right? It's not Luther that's here. It's us. Like we're God's big plan for this day. And to step into that, knowing that I've been uniquely wired by God, that you've been uniquely wired by God, specific, different. The three of us are wildly different. And yet we (laughs) we hold this core thing in common. Our general identity is sons of God. That's true about all three of us here. It's our primary identity. But now, once you move away from that, there's all sorts of specific, I mean, you've got specific gifts that I don't have. You're drawn to things I'm not drawn to. I'm drawn to things you're not drawn to. And that begins to play out according to God's good plan for our lives so that we could say we were made for this day and the day was made for us. And so that's I think a lot of unity could be formed if we do a little bit more work integrating God and self. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving's coming up. If you're going to make a good rub for your turkey, you cannot use one spice. No. I mean, but also, I guess you could. You do need, you know, you do need it to be together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's my that's my Thanksgiving unity analogy. Everybody's welcome. All right. Um, you keep, you got, you got, you got a couple of weeks. I'll keep working. On it. Keep working. You got a couple of weeks. I, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll build it out. Y'all just keep listening here. Um, <laughs> uh, so one thing we, we always love to do is we like to ask our guest for just a tangible action, something that people listening can go do. Like they can finish this podcast and go out and do this thing and it would help better maintain unity in the church. What's something people can do that would help maintain the unity? Yeah, I think it's impossible. Um, I don't think you you go do this, but you do do this. Um, I think it's impossible to hate or, you know, not believe the best for people you're actively praying for. And I mean, praying blessings for and praying the kind of prayers that you hope someone's praying for you. And so I think if there is a tribe out there, or a group of people out there, or a person out there, that you you just, man, you just can't do it. Um, I would spend a good amount of time um, praying for them, blessing them, not praying like the imprecatory Psalms over them, right? <laughs> yeah. But But like praying for them, bless them, asking the Spirit of God to stir up affection for Jesus, to stir up, to like pray the same kind of prayers for them, like I said, that you hope somebody's praying for you. And then I think what will happen over time is God will soften your edges towards that person or that group or um, whatever it is, and and we'll have we'll have better unity. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, sure. What do you think we would see change uh, in the world or in the church specifically uh, if everyone started doing that? Well, again, I I think it's you're not going to name call as much. Uh, you're not going to vilify and create straw men. You're, you're not going to, I mean, I could go on and on. You're, you're mm-hmm. not going to write a hit piece blog on them. <laughs> um, you're going to, you know, you're going to see him as someone made in the image of God. You're going to see him as a brother or sister. You're going to want for them the same things you want for you. And the gaslighting that so often happens in Christian circles would stop. Yeah. Right. And just, just, I can't imagine someone trying to pray blessings on someone and be like, God, help that dumb anti-vaxxer or God, help that 
stupid Trumper, you know, like, yeah, like you just, you can't do that. No. So you, you do have to, and remember, I think the key is pray for them, the kinds of prayers you would want somebody to pray for you. Oh, yeah. And, and those are prayers of blessing, if I had to guess. Right. And protection I, and insight and wisdom and on and on we could go. Right. I think we'd be a much happier people, at least in the church. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so to kick off the outro segment here, uh, we like to do a God moment, which if you're new to the show is just a moment from recently in our lives where we share a blessing or a moment of worship or a challenge, anything like that, where we saw God in our lives. And I always like to make Josh go first. Brilliant. So uh, Josh, do you have a, a God moment? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be vague on purpose. So that's always fun. Um, <laughs> I, I've had a little struggle uh, working with someone on a project recently. And Are you guys about I, to get in a fight? It's going to be really <laughs> awkward for me. Yeah, the church unity argument segment starts now. <laughs> yeah. No, I um, invited yeah, Matt no. Chandler to our first debate episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I um, I was talking to this person, and we were going to discuss how we can you know approach this differently and be better at it, and my brain immediately started with my excuses of why I was actually right. And something in my spirit just started up and said, Hey, what if you were just humble, apologized and just listen to what they were saying? And uh, I did that. So that was cool. All right. That is cool. That's a, yeah. that's a big character moment for Josh. If you guys don't know. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, so I will go next to give our esteemed guest as much time as possible. Uh, even though he probably doesn't need it. Most pastors seem to not. But uh, <laughs> I uh, learned today that uh, the lease for my new apartment is ready to sign. So going to go sign a lease after this. Let's wow, go. That's God. pretty Congrats. Gotta have, Yeah. Guys got to have a place to live. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, you know, yeah. I won't be recording in a closet for much longer. Yeah. So that yeah, would be on. great. <laughs> It's going to be yeah, awesome. I just, yeah, just need to buy a desk. Although it's I do gonna be hear a closet be a whole other... closes. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's an interesting whole level. Yeah. Whole nother level of, yeah. of quality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The third specifically. <laughs> Come on. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, so I would say mine is I used an illustration. This is great because it kind of takes me out of it, I think. I used an illustration several weeks ago now. Uh, it was the same. It was the story from the beginning of explicit gospel where I talk about uh, the witch uh, being baptized. And um, I, I just use it. I mean, it'd been a decade since I used it. And so I thought, man, I'm going to recycle that story. It works really well here. And it just so happened that that morning, um, a, a woman in our church had brought a witch friend with her. And, um, and that illustration kind of pulled her in, provoked her heart. And then they've been meeting and reading the Bible together uh, for the last three weeks um, since I used that information or that illustration. And man, I just thought that was a real cool kind of God moment because who knew there was going to be a witch out <laughs> in the congregation? I don't that's think awesome. that we have a giant witch problem here. And that's right, TJ, way to go in the <laughs> closet, dropping bombs. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my God moment. That's my God moment. Man. That's awesome. Isn't that crazy? It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, So if you enjoyed this episode, uh, thank you, first of all. Also, thank you for sticking around to this part. 
Uh, please consider sharing it with a friend or an enemy. You are always free to choose. Uh, but I do ask you share with at least one person. <laughs> that would be very helpful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Pastor Matt, uh, where can people go to find more of you and follow the Village Church? Well, I mean, certainly you can go to the Village Church's website, thevillagechurch.net. Uh, we post everything uh, on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I have a Twitter handle. I don't go to Twitter. It's <laughs> it's just yeah. not a very friendly place. And so Instagram's kind of happier, and I can delete you if you say things that I don't like. And so, <laughs> uh, so I'm on Instagram there and, uh, I think you can buy my books on Amazon and yeah, those would be the places. Yeah. Also, uh, you awesome. could just try Google, honestly. <laughs> I was going to say that would be the, yeah, the, the easy true. thing. Although you might find some things out about me by Googling me that probably aren't great things, but it's fine. <laughs> Speaking hey, of hey. unity, just read everything. Eventually you'll find the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just keep scrolling. Yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some future guests of the show. Uh, we have Dr. Kristen Coves Dumay, uh, author of Jesus and John Wayne. Uh, Andrew Croft of the World Watch Weekly podcast. Uh, Pete Enns of The Bible for Normal People and author of The Evolution of Adam. And maybe at the end of season one, we will have Francis Chan. Yeah, he, he's not sure about it yet, but uh, he'll figure it out. <laughs> You guys are yeah. confident. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> We've yeah. been saying that since the beginning of this show when we never thought we'd have anyone other than like our local pastor. <laughs> and we're just like, you know, eventually this might, this could happen. And it would be even Somebody's going to have to say yes. Somebody's yeah, going to yeah. have to say yes. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Season two, right, we're going to have uh, the residing Pope, which I'm not really <laughs> expecting to be the current Pope at this point. I was going to say, but, who knows who that'll be. Right. But uh, find thank out. you so much for listening and hop on over to Patreon to hear us do one last thing with uh, with Pastor Matt.